0: Caitlin Bloom, and welcome to Talk Therapy to Me, where we learn to practice self awareness and self care and meet our individual needs. No couch required. All right. Well, just wanted to say welcome to Talk Therapy to Me, and just wanted to say that I'm excited that you decided to join us today. And really just wanted to clarify that this is Kevin, have a guest with me. And also, just wanted you to say a little bit about you and where you're from, all of that kind of stuff.
1: So, thanks, Caitlin. I'm uh, I'm really excited to you know to be here as well because uh, depression is you know uh, a painful experience for a lot of people, and unfortunately, okay. it's it is the most um, common mental illness globally according to the World Health Organization. So, it it does have a significant impact. So. Um, you know, along with that, I'm I'm I've also experienced clinical depression in my past, so I'm very familiar with it. Both as you know, I say from the inside, I know the experience, and of course, as a therapist educated in treating uh, areas including depression, I work a lot in that area. Um, you know, really excited to help people you know, really get the right support that they need or, you know, help encourage them to, you know, to really to reach out and and to suffer less. So, So thanks for the opportunity.
0: Oh, yes, of course. And honestly, I think that's something that's really meaningful when we work with these populations is when you understand it on a personal level, too, you can talk more about it on a level where people understand it, you know. So you're not just saying, oh, I read this from the textbook. I actually know this, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Exactly. But yeah. So, where are you based, and what does your practice sure. kind of look like?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I'm based in Canada, so central Canada. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna say, um, you know. We're speaking to mostly an American audience, and I say, you know, kind of southern, right? I'm thinking Tennessee, yeah. so yeah. quite far south, but we would yeah. be, you know, from Tennessee, if you just go straight north, kind of around, you're heading up towards Toronto. I think Canadians would know, or yeah. Americans would know Toronto. So yeah. we're we're east, uh, sorry, west of Toronto. Um, and so I'm, that's where I'm based out of the city, is, is called Winnipeg. Okay. And gotcha. uh, yeah, yeah. And there's cert- actually, a, a, as a kind of a, an aside... There are some funny references in American comedies, obviously some Canadian <laughs> writers there, but to uh people who have to end up or live in Winnipeg. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love so, that. Yeah. yeah, so some the yeah, anyway. So no, yeah, no. Reference. I <laughs>
0: I've been to Canada once years ago, and it was really just uh to get on a flight to France. So and okay. I don't remember if I went to Winnipeg. I don't think so, but I it may have been Quebec you know so may have been that yeah. for a minute and then
1: flight, flight to France, you probably yeah, you probably were flying out of Montreal I would guess
0: yes I think it was uh, that I was like I swear it starts with an M you know <laughs>
1: but, there we go yeah, yeah. right
2: exactly
0: yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah so very much like a lot further north than we are you know but that's mm-hmm. always fun yeah. So how long have you been working in this field?
1: So I've been in, you know, as a, as a counselor been, I'm 19 years now, I'll be going on 20 in, yeah, I guess, a couple of months. So yeah. yeah, That's
2: cool. That's mm-hmm. yeah. It, You
1: that. know, it's interesting. It's, it's certainly, uh, it sounds like a long time it went really fast. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, I feel really fortunate about is, again, it's kind of knowing sort of mental illness from the inside, and knowing kind of how liberating it is to, to find ways to recover from that. Mm, Uh, There's a real, uh, there's a real joy in helping other people, because you really get how significant it can be for them. You know, so it's extremely rewarding. You know, Mm -hmm. so 20 years went honestly went really fast. And and I just I really love the work that I do. So I I lucked out, you know, like people will find, you know, some people find the job that they really love. And I think that's, you know, the kind of the luckiest people. So, you know, I I, uh, I'm one of those.
0: Yes, I love that. And no, honestly, I have some clients. I don't know if you've experienced this where they'll say, I don't know how you do this all day or. Listen to people doing this, and I'm like, Well, I enjoy it. So,
2: mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. would
0: hope that this is something you enjoy doing, and also kind of have good boundaries in place to be able to do it long term. So, <laughs> <Absolutely.
1: yeah>. Right? <laughs> no, and that's Caitlin, that's a really good point, right? Is really good boundaries. Otherwise, there's I mean, there is that exhaustion that leads into the risk of burnout. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah, but um, one of the things I like too is the point that you brought up earlier. Clear about, you know that that you enjoy it, and so there's, you know, you that intrinsic value. I think yeah. for for a lot of therapists, the ones who really, I, I think who who kind of keep going in the field long term is we really mm-hmm. we recognize that intrinsic value. And um, for some of us, I mean, I certainly revisit it regularly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is like uh, you have that for you know client you've been working with for a while. There's something about a shift in them, and you're just like, right. great, and and you know yeah. it, it fills you with with that joy, right? So, yes. and again, it's, you know, as therapists, we know the value of that on the relational level and, yes. um, it's just, sure. you know, the, the importance of that. So.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think just exactly what you said to bounce off of that, especially when you've worked with someone for a long time, you know them really well and they can yeah. kind of pick up on things with you. So then it can make the banter more natural,
2: organic. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. definitely definitely agree with that. And that makes it that much more meaningful when yeah, they do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, that you, you know, you know, we're, we're um, going to be talking about depression. And, and one of the things that certainly happens with depressed clients, and especially if it, and usually the clients that I've worked with, longer term, you know, they've had that experience They usually when they do finally come in, they've certainly struggled with depression for a long time. And so the therapy itself is, you know, a longer term process. And so certainly with a lot of clients who come in initially really, um, you know, really struggling with that depression, you see, you know, over time that that it's lifting and there's more openness to, like you said, like the banter, yeah. um, you know, and some laughter, some just relief or, you know, and, and yeah. things like that. Um, and both of you are able to kind of look back and where you were and, and, and kind of being able to walk with them through yeah. that process and, and kind of, wow, look where you are now. And, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty exciting and, and extremely rewarding for sure. Oh,
0: yeah. I think honestly, that's one of my favorite things of is- Being able to walk through that growth with them because I think a lot of us get stuck in, okay, well, I'm not really seeing any progress. So have I really improved at all? And then an outside perspective, what a therapist can do is say, yeah, actually, and here's what you've done, you know? So,
1: yeah, 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 a great one. And we, I think we have an advantage too because we can certainly look back at our notes and look kind of earlier sessions, maybe some of the key, you know, sort of themes or A focus you know for the clients sometimes and sometimes for for clients where there's that that shift and you know it's kind of like not not that the 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 idea has moved somewhere but actually Mm -hmm. it's been replaced by other other ideas and clients don't necessarily realize that because they they're kind of their focus of what they want to do now they've forgotten where they were before so before it was I just want to get out of bed you know whereas now it's like you know I just want to get a job you know and they really and yeah. they forgot this part, right? And so coming back to those, you don't remember. You know, for you, a, a success was getting out of bed. Remember yeah. that? You know, and they're like, yeah. "Oh my god, I totally forgot." You know, things yeah. like that, right? So right,
0: exactly. And you're like, "Look yeah. at all of this growth," you know. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I love that. And yeah, so talking about depression in general, I feel like depression, and anxiety are very much more common in general in humanity overall and especially with the like it having trouble getting out of bed and everything what would you say are probably the most common things you hear when people say hey i'm coming in for
1: depression um sort of like kind of what they're presenting with when they're calling yeah. when they're looking for help so yeah. yeah um yeah i would i would say um you know, I'm just trying to think of some of my clients recently, yeah. you know, they would talk about uh, maybe conflicts. Like, let's say if they're, you know, if it's, you know, uh, let's say a parent for mother or father, they may talk about, you know, irritation with their kids or fighting a lot with their partner, mm-hmm. a, a loss of, you know, interest in their partner, um, you know, kind of in that situation. If it's someone, and th- these are kind of the more uh, difficult situations, if it's someone living alone, then they'll talk about isolating, you know, things like, uh-huh. yeah, I'm just isolating too much, or, um, you know, I lost friends, or I don't reach out to friends anymore, I'm ignoring right. calls. Um, you know, uh, problems at work is, is one that will come up a bit, you know, I, I, I really hate my job, and I want to quit, but I can't, um, or or missing a lot of work, and I don't know what the problem is. And it, and it's, again, it's interesting, because, you know, I love the question, because you're, you're obviously aware of this, when they're coming in for something that we might identify as, a, as depression, like the symptoms right. really fit that criteria, the client might not necessarily be, you know, seeing that themselves, right? right. They might be seeing right. other things that are the symptoms, right? Where, yeah, everybody just irritates the hell of me. I feel like I don't like anybody anymore. Right. Or, yeah. or I, I you know, I hate myself right now and I don't know why, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, then we kind of get that information and help them. Oh, you know, this is kind of sounding like you know x you know yeah. or, or depression in this case right so yeah. yeah
0: no yeah and I think that can be really helpful for clients too to know oh wow yeah actually all of these are making sense now everything's lining up you know
1: so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah exactly especially when they start connecting some of those things around let's say you know I I, I get irritated really easily mm-hmm. and then they kind of get oh, you know, when you're getting irritated, what are you thinking about? And they start seeing sort of that perception of the issue and you say, okay, so quote, someone cut you off and you were enraged. Okay, okay. I mean, did they, do you know that they intentionally wanted to, you know, you got to go through that. You yeah, wanted yeah. to cut you off, you know, is it, or were they just simply sharing, you know, this road that's accessible to, you know, to everybody and wanted to make a turn, you know, maybe they want to turn right. left or right. And you got to explore, they like, you know, and sometimes no, no, you know, they kind of um when they're in pain, right? It's like, no, I don't want to go yeah. there. No, right. I'm staying with my anger.
0: I don't want to uh, talk about some, the logic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't want to go to the logic and I'm hurting. And you and then that's a yeah. good time too for the therapist to kind of back away and let them be validated and heard. Oh, um, yeah. because sure. right. They they need you to appreciate, yeah, this is hell, right? Yeah. And um, right. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I definitely think something that you brought up with depression, I think. I hear a lot of people talk about anger with it and just like Mm -hmm. feelings of anger, frustration, all of that. Is that something you hear as well?
1: I I do, you know, absolutely. You know, and, um, and of course one of the challenges with that then is the, the guilt that comes in after Mm -hmm. right. Depression and guilt, there's, you know, guilt is just always kind of hovering there. So there's the anger, let's say the explosion or, anger birth or even the anger feelings Mm -hmm. and then kind of behind that after that anger settles then you know they kind of get this cloud of guilt I'm bad you know kind of comes down to Mm -hmm. these really kind of black and white ideas right about self and I'm sure you've heard that you know I'm a bad person and then of course then that you know that kind of toxic guilt toxic because you you know it's not really something you can respond to it just sits with you right it's not guilt over a specific incident which is you know, maybe that is appropriate. I should feel bad because I did X, whereas I say toxic because it's, there's no response to it, just kind of a definition of self as opposed to the behavior. Right.
2: Um,
1: then that kind of, again, we, we see that, and you've seen this too, right, where that tends to, you know, I'm going to say simmer or percolate over time, oh, yeah. unfortunately, sure. and then it becomes, you know, really connected with shame. Mm, Yeah. Right. Or reinforces shame if there's some Mm -hmm. predisposing experiences that haven't, you know, created a kind of a a sense of shame for other things previously. Right. It certainly will reinforce that. Right.
0: Oh yes. I definitely.
1: Yeah. Sorry. You know, you're asking about, or you're commenting about anger, and I'm sort of sorry, kind of connecting something else there. But honestly, yeah, it's
0: all connected. Yeah.
1: But that that condition too. What what I find really interesting is and and we do a lot you know as therapists we're really you know we're, we're trained for talk therapy and we're trained right. to change thinking and to change behavior right, right? i've got kind of, you know just you know like a cbt model right right um and so and those are extremely important
2: mm-hmm.
1: but when we're looking at things around the anger that you know often will trigger things like guilt and shame Mm-hmm. What's really difficult is that connection between depression and self-blame for the depression. and yeah. I think one of the what i I call it you know, like there's the depression itself, which is the illness and then there's the kind of social conditioning around well, depression is somehow your fault, yeah, and so a lot of work that I've you know, like my my work has shifted over the years from mm-hmm. really focusing a lot on you know the you know, changing thoughts, increasing you know behavior activation, increasing behavior, right? right. So kind of a CBT model or or ACT, you know, yes. um, newer version to really in those earlier sessions, reframing depression. So helping clients move away from self blame because yeah. it's something I'm not doing. I'm lazy. I'm useless. I'm you know, and so there's this kind of self blame thing. Again, it's a, it's a cultural you know, view. Um, yeah. It's not the individual's fault. It's not even cultural's, you know, our culture's fault. We're, we're just trying to make sense of this phenomena, right? right. And we're testing. Yeah. so, I, I tend to focus more for clients on the psychoeducation early on about, yeah. you know, kind of the, the, the neuro, the neurological changes that happen. So things that clients can be shocked about, you know, in terms right. of um, how neurochemicals will change the way we perceive, change the way we even think. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find those really helpful. Um, you know, and again, the evidence or the, I'm going to say the increase in information, you know, in terms of, you know, neuroscience and the ability to study right. brains and study, you know, not just animal brains, a lot on, on things like mice, a lot, yeah. which is helpful as well, the, the mammalian brain, but enormous amount of research right now on human beings and right. their brain the state of the brain and the brain activity when they're depressed. So, yeah. you know, functional MRIs are, are absolutely a gift to um, the study of depression. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What's helpful about that too is because depression itself is one of the most difficult mental health disorders to pinpoint. You know, a source or an origin because it's a, you know it's a multi-factor phenomenon. So some people will you know will you know, have certain areas of the brain active or or, or non active um this is where we have these problems with the theories around depression i mean there's been a lot of discussion around oh you know serotonin so there's the serotonin theory um since the 80s um and then you know that research has recently been challenged and some people say yeah it's debunked it. that's absolutely not true serotonin mm-hmm. is still an, an important part for those people who have you know a a you know, a decrease or or lack or inability to utilize serotonin, so right. serotonin reuptake. Yeah. That's not the cause of every experience of depression, though. So for right. some people, you know, they're non-responsive to those um, medications uh, for different reasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, there, you know, so there's different theories of, of why, you know, that, um, you know, those conditions or what causes it. So, yeah. Um it, it's really it's really helpful to go through some of those. I certainly talk about things like brain shrinkage,
2: yes. you
1: know, which is really difficult, I think, for some people to 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 hear, but it's right, important yeah. because your brain structure is changing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so why why is there things like, you know, let's say brain shrinkage? Well, uh neuroatrophy. Again, yeah. is a condition that has to do with decrease in, in, in signaling or signaling to this at the cellular level with, for example, cytokines. So cytokines is a messenger from, mm-hmm. from the neurons, from the neuron cells. Right. And basically it's, it's saying, you know, shut down. You know, it's kind of simplifying some of the communication right. here, yeah. but it's telling those cells, you know, because of stress. So the body's in a state of yeah. stress and it's telling them to shut down what happens then is what's called you know cell death basically right mm-hmm. so so how does someone when they understand those mechanisms right i feel like they're closer to understanding that if you can't get out of bed it's not lack of will
2: yeah
1: right if you feel heavy your body can't move actually now you're all of a sudden you're understanding why yeah why do i feel like i'm wearing a lead jacket like when people oh, get x-rays God. It's that jacket, but it's a full bodysuit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so why am I feeling like this? Well, yeah. it's not because you're choosing to be, quote, lazy or you're right. useless. It's because neurologically, your brain is shutting down. It's yes. not signaling those parts of your, you know, your system, your arms, your legs um, right. move. Yeah. And it, and so they understand more. It's really, really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the, the neural connections and communication... Are decreasing yeah
0: they're not quite getting there you
1: know they're not quite you know the synapses are yeah. first of all they're not firing they're not as quickly firing. And, and again that's another you know sort of uh you know uh, part of you know the you know depression that's happening yeah. um so that that part connects to brain derived neurotrophic factor but mm. we'll, we'll kind of leave that aside but the important thing there really is educating depre- people who are suffering from depression the multi-factor um, effects of decreasing brain function. Right. right? And so yeah. I will tell clients, depression is a brain illness. It's not a, mm-hmm. you know, a mental illness as in mind, because mind creates this false dichotomy, mind and body. And that's not what's happening to you. What it is, it's, it's, it's the same as a heart condition, the yeah. same as diabetes. There are changes in your body right and so often i'll go through something like the diabetes i'll say well when you are not able to regulate sugar what's happening in your body well it's the pancreas it's not able to produce insulin in the required amount right and in the required time yes so it loses that function so it affects you and you know that so someone with you know a diabetic shock knows very well how horrible that is but they didn't choose it Right. right right
0: Yeah, so they didn't several, just wake up one day and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go through
1: this." Right? Exactly. Right. So exactly. So they have exposure to a stress, which is mm-hmm. sugar, a high level of sugar, which the body is not equipped to deal with. Right. And then it tries to function as best as it can, and then eventually gets overtaxed and cannot regulate properly. Right. So mm-hmm. young, kids starting off with coke, drinking coke all day, and co- and and cookies or mm-hmm. chocolate bars, and then as as a teenager early onset diabetes, or as an adult, yeah, right? Right. No, no surprise. An individual exposed to stressors in the environment and then the onset of depression, no surprise, yeah. right? Yeah. So so again, the brain is trying to regulate during that process. Serotonin is an easy one, or, or serotonin norepinephrine is, mm-hmm. is easy to understand the neurochemicals and the body's attempt to self-regulate or regulate the mood in high stress, and eventually the capacity is diminished. Right same thing as diabetes. So that, that, that yep. part is, is quite easy to understand or quite easy to help clients understand. Oh yeah.
2: um,
1: And, you know, and again, some of the other factors, again, we're getting much more information. I think a, a, a really um, good uh, uh, research into the area of inflammation. So mm-hmm. brain inflammation, you know, kind of people, what are you talking about? Right. So right. when the body is inflamed, the the cells release cytokines which again that in, that you know uh, messenger right, right molecule and yeah. it's you know telling that area of the body or the body as a whole you know that we're under stress and and you know we have to be prepared mm-hmm. and so different molecules in the body respond different way the understanding up until recently was that cytokines cannot pass the you know the the, the body brain barrier that was the understanding until very, very recently. And now it now we know that it can because they've been found, you know, in, in the blood of the brain, right? And right. again, this is recent research. So what's really important about that is, is it's increasing that sense of that holistic view of the body.
2: Yes. And,
1: and decreasing that um, separation of, of mind-body, mm-hmm. you know, or mind brain, right, and and mind body or brain body. Right. That it's actually this holistic unit that functions as a whole. And the communication between any part of the body is constant. And so that helps us better understand some of the immunological responses right. to stress, right? Because right. this is at the immunological level. Yeah. And then what is the body doing and how is the brain impacted? Well, brain inflammation is not a good thing. No, right. And it creates a sure. lot of difficulties around communication. And it also does it, introduce factors like like um both brain shrinkage mm-hmm. you know when it, when this is chronic stress so we know that because yeah. certain neurons are shutting down right the the inflammation response also you know it's not just we know swollen right like we have an infection so there's that swollen right. effect increased blood flow but we also know that certain cells are uh, basically shut off
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: right so uh, you know so it's this ap- apoptopic effect right so the, the mm-hmm. cell is is basically you know Told to to shut off to die, right? Cell death. So yeah. um now on the on the optimistic side or the part that's important is when people yeah. hear that, they also need to know that um, you know, when that happens with depression, there's that cell shrinkage. And we we a certain area that we really understand quite a bit is the hippocampus, mm-hmm. that there's in that area that regulates memory, among other things, right. That we have solid evidence there. We know that that happens. The important thing, though, is because of brain plasticity, we know that there's neurogenesis. Mm. So neurons can, you know, be, you know, regenerated and grow. Yeah. Right. So it's not just neurons reconnecting, but that the brain can generate new neurons. Again, a theory that was, you know, for a long time was the brain does not create new new neurons. Again, that's been proven false. Right. So brain plasticity itself is actually um become more you know more of a a flexible and robust phenomena mm. than than we thought so yeah. again with depression it's something to let people you know really understand yeah right now depression as an illness is hurting you like the same way as diabetes or or right. a, a condition, car, you know heart condition but you can make major changes in your life so someone with a cardiac conditioner or, or hypertension right you can make diet changes and physical changes have become, you know, decrease without medication or medication or, you know, like both right. and be healthy yeah. right? and, and, and in the same way. So um, the, the, that's usually how I would start now. I mean, a big shift in terms of letting clients know the depression isn't something you're doing wrong.
2: Mm. Right.
1: so you know that's a bit long-winded about some of the things that, that i might discuss and certainly in session it's not going to be that long but they're right. really really important um you know uh, important research um discoveries and and understandings recently that uh, i i'm really excited about and i think they're really yeah. important to to let people know about mm-hmm. so
0: yeah, and I I actually love that you do um, the connection between brain and body. And I think that's such an important distinction between the mind and the brain, too, because I feel like the mind people will think is very metaphorical. You know, it doesn't have it's very abstract, whatever. And then when you say brain and you're talking about like the synapse, the, the wiring, all of the things that are scientific in there it can make it more real Mm -hmm. instead of just saying like, oh, like you said, you're lazy or my favorite is when I have clients say full sarcasm is when they have people tell them, well, just stop being depressed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, that's, that's not a real thing. Like Mm -hmm. you need to go through and figure out what's going on in your body and then go from there. So
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and something that, uh, you know, certainly with clients, when they say, you know, there's times I just can't get up. And I'm like, yeah, I know that's true. That's absolutely true. I believe you. Your body feels like a, a ton, you know, yeah. of like it feels like lead. I get oh,
0: yeah. it. Right? I liked that metaphor a lot, too, um, because it reminded me of a weighted blanket as well. Just mm-hmm. something that keeps you down.
1: Yeah. yeah Yeah, exactly yeah Yeah. exactly um so so that that validation early on or the the psychoeducation early on to really help clients um move from that habit of blaming themselves because there, again there's there's the illness itself and then there's that layer that comes along with depression which is i'm depressed and because i'm depressed i'm doing something wrong yeah and so if we can remove that there's more opportunity for them to start healing in a more effective way right but it but it is really and i'll let them know like your, like what you're internalizing as as a a social view is a lot of pressure because not just you it's what you've been taught what we've all been taught so you will hit up against people who don't understand and can't make sense of it right right? but it's important to know that right don't be shocked by other people or don't think they're right when they're saying well you know you just need to you know be positive or you just get over it Change, yeah, get over it, change your attitude. You know, because that's that is really not what it's about. It's sort of like some, Uh again, I'll use comparisons, someone with a heart condition, maybe they got hypertension. Well, you know what, you just need to relax a little bit more. Take it easy. You worry too much. Just relax. Right? Like who would say?
0: I know. Oh yeah, silly me. That's what I should have done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So hypertension. Just relax. You know, you're you're you know, that's all you have to do. Watch more comedy. You know? Right.
0: Yeah, just super casual. Yeah. And I honestly too, um, I very much encourage people. I think that's I want to in, incorporate more of that psychoeducation that you've been talking about. And something I encourage people to do as well is to go to their primary care and just say, Hey, can you check to make sure I'm good? Because sometimes, right. like you said, the hypertension or even thyroid issues, anything could be making the depression worse or the symptoms worse, all of that.
1: Or even like with, with thyroidism, like even the cause of, of, you know, anxiety and depression, right? So again, it's a very, very important organ that regulates a lot around mood and hormones. Um, And if it's, if it's, you know, not regulating correctly, um, people are going to be having a very noticeable a effect on, on, right. on their perception.
0: Right. Yeah. So I definitely think getting them to understand the more holistic, everything connected kind of piece is really important for that. Like Absolutely. you're not just a body out here, yeah. around,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. and, and part of that too, like in terms of that holistic view for, you know, in terms of depression. Because there is that, you know, the, you know, some of the behaviors of depression is to to isolate because right. engaging in the world is exhausting and difficult and and sometimes just painful. And social engagement when the prefrontal lobes are not really engaging enough mm-hmm. is so difficult. And again, we don't, yeah. you know, someone who hasn't experienced depression doesn't necessarily understand that. I mean, it's right. you know, sort of like at an abstract level, you hear it. But to really understand how taxing and exhausting it is to use so much of your brain or try to use so much of your brain when that brain is, is you know, it's you're firing a at twenty yeah. percent but you need that 100% because yeah. social engagement is one of the most complex things we do, right? So um, it, it's a real challenge and, and really breaking it down into small steps is, is helpful or yes. if there's support. Is, yeah. is is really important but that social part is also part of the whole right because we know ourselves but not we we, we don't know ourselves and we've never come to know ourselves in isolation we only know ourselves in relation to others the mm-hmm. formation of the self is all about you know that interplay in the relational field always right yeah. and so for us to try you know to be separated then from others is also harmful to our sense of self and we feel right. that we know isolation is a form of torture. Right. right? Yeah. And so that else isolation fra- when someone's really depressed is also, you know, increases that that's psychological pain and negative right. thinking because it's so unnatural. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right? And I honestly, I tell people a lot, even if you're an introvert, I would call myself an introvert. I'm like, I will joke and say I can go 72 hours not talking to anybody and we're fine. Yeah. And then I will say, however, <laughs> Humans are made for connection. It is so important to have a balance of spending time connecting with others and also with yourself. So,
1: yeah, yeah. and and that's important too, Caitlin. Right, that that you know that connecting with others and then with yourself, yeah. and again, that's always that that place where you know when I talk to people around depression, it's a really good uh, meter or yeah. measurement. What do you feel like when you're, when you're with yourself and do you remember times when it felt good because, you know, depression, it doesn't feel good. Right. And so when they can connect with that time when being alone was solitude versus loneliness, mm-hmm. right. Or just a feeling of isolation and being alone in the world where it was just solitude and and they enjoyed their own company. Um, they can see the difference in terms of what being, you know, mentally well is. Yes right? But also how natural is because when you're in solitude, you have an inherent sense of connection to others, Mm -hmm. right? So you know, you're connected, there are certain, um, they're not just assumptions, they're really integrated experiences of connection to others, you know, and, and we just know those, Mm
2: -hmm. right? So
1: solitude is reinforced, again, by that constant interconnection, you know, of of important relationships, I know those people care about me, and I'm alone and I right. feel great, right? Whereas right. isolation is, I feel like I'm alone in the world. No one understands me. Or right. you know, the things that come up when you're depressed is very, very right. excruciating, painful things, mm-hmm. unfortunately, which are not usually real. Right. Yeah. But they feel real, right? Yeah. And, and that's excruciating.
0: Right. And that's yeah. honestly the most important piece is that it feels real to that person. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to tell you that your experience, like, oh, you're wrong or... Yeah. That's ridiculous for thinking Mm -hmm. that way, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of people in their lives will often tell them that. And it's like, "Mm, no, we're offering some, I think, yeah, we're offering some sense of compassion and grace and showing that to clients Mm -hmm. so that they can learn how to do that themselves to themselves, you know?
1: Well, and, and Caitlin, I like as you're describing that, right? I could just see that. I could just see you. You know, imagine you working and how you're creating again that that safe relational field. Yeah. Right. And what again, what's interesting about that is there's so much operating below consciousness in the relational field because our nervous system is is feeling the nervous system is the, of the other person. And we all know this because if we're around someone who, let's say we're talking to them and it's a close friend, if they're really stressed, mm-hmm. we feel it. If they're really calm or joyful, right, we feel that. Yeah. and that's not a, at a conscious level of course unless we're being mindful and pay attention to it right, right. Yeah. but our nervous nervous system to nervous system communication we we mm-hmm. feel we have that felt sense of the other and 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 as you're talking like i could see you in you know kind of in that in the room working how you're creating that safe space right for yeah. the client where it's that openness and that that acceptance and and part of that i do think is that that you know that that positive regard that unconditional positive oh, regard yeah. for the client and for again sure. when we're able to do that when you know when we when we love the work that we do and and yeah. and love the wonderful people that that choose to you know to visit us to to work with us um that also you know, again, it, it comes back to that relational field. It is that's a healing in itself. Again, way, you know, something yeah. you know that is not about theories, is not about you know clinical techniques and 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 right. uh, you know processes or or approaches. It's at that human level. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of practice to do that well for sure. Oh yeah, but it be, it does come down to some core you know um, experiences and and a, and a good term I like is feeling felt. Right Mm -hmm. when the client can feel felt, the depressed client can feel that you get them, like, yeah, yeah, no kidding, that must be freaking horrible. I can't imagine. And maybe there's again, they're talking about just sitting on a couch. I've been there for 24 hours, I can't move. Oh my God, that sounds horrible. What was it like for you?
0: Like, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that phrase a lot feeling felt, you know?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And something else I was thinking about. Um, sometimes when I work with clients who struggle with depression, we'll talk about mindfulness and like a step from, okay, now that you kind of know how depression works, you're feeling, giving yourself more grace, all of that. This is kind of where we can go from there. Um, so what would you say that you do in those kind of situations as you progress in treatment?
1: and and so if i'm progressing in treatment and you're asking if i'm you know sort of going in the direction of mindfulness
0: yeah
1: yeah um and again i, I like in terms of mindfulness it is like any technique um some some will you know re- for some clients it registers it makes sense yeah. and for some clients it doesn't and for some clients at this moment it works but or it doesn't work but maybe later it will right so be sure. i think being sensitive to you know, is, does this make, you know, does this make sense to you? Or does this seem like something you might want to try is really important. Right. right? And so I'll use, you know, I'll think about, does this resonate with that client? I'm trying to, you know, watch what their level of engagement is. And I let them know like, Hey, I'm introducing something that maybe worked with clients before, but you know what, if it, if it doesn't make sense to you, tell me, just say, you know, Kevin, that sucks. Right. Or I don't. If you're not feeling
0: that, let me know. Yeah.
1: I want to know, right? right? I want to know. Like so I'm totally open to no that that no, I don't want to do that. That's fine. Right. Let's, let's, let's get, let's go there, then let me, my job is to find something that works for you, not for you to accept whatever I offer, right? Right.
0: And then do it begrudgingly or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But with with that, in terms of mindfulness, one of the things that I I, you know, I'm I'm gonna say excitedly or strongly uh, try to encourage is. Um, being in nature Mm,
2: yeah Uh,
1: because it does have and again uh, the research is really uh robust on the impact on the nervous system and so we think of we think of depression as you know kind of just sort of shut down but it's also you know shut down and because we it it modulates between you know that numb state of not really receiving anything and then that you know and, you know, that excited state of everything feels like stressful or friction or, um, you know, unpleasant. Right. It's uncomfortable. And it's like our nerve ends are just, you know, firing and it's, you know. Yeah. Um, and so nature has a really consistent, um, again, according to the to the research, consistent impact on the nervous system in terms of calming. Mm. And so it, it it calms the numbness which often doesn't make sense to people, right. In terms of, well, if I'm numb and I'm not feeling anything, it actually numb is it, you know, yeah. that kind of, it, it's a, it's a state of nervousness that is, you know, shut it down. shut it down. Right. It's like right?
0: apathy feeling. And yeah. feeling nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Wow. So the, the way the brain is trying to cope and, and to shut down against experiences out, out there that are going to feel horrible right. when we're in nature that lifts, right. So the, the numbness kind of opens up, right. Yeah. To, you know, whether it's the sound of the breeze or, you know, birds chirping, again, the sound of birds chirping mm-hmm. in and of itself has a po- like positive effect on mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so those kind of things, I, I do try to encourage, again, most of us are in North America, Canada, US, we're city wow. dwellers, right? We live in urban centers. And so yeah. finding those places that have enough trees, Right, so trees have a, a very significant connection mm. uh, or impact. So trees, and enough that it 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 um, it buffers the noise of anything that's mechanized, right? Mm. So yes. machines is a big one, like cars and things like that. Uh, mm. Clocks, uh, you know, uh, yeah. recorded music, anything like that that we you know you can kind of be free of that and actually just be hearing nature itself. Mm. Will you know again for the nervous system is is a very significant positive impact and again nervous system meaning it's affecting the brain the body the entire system Mm -hmm. and allowing it to um, get some relief you know with depression it's going to be relief not so much calm right right? Um, person isn't necessarily able to get there yet but relief is good right relief or a break from the pain that's awesome so that in terms of mindfulness i would i would encourage that and but you know again it's starting in steps right so Mm -hmm. if someone is um, you know, having a really hard time, um, you know, to, you know, let's say to go out, right? And so starting with something like that, and then encouraging, just take a little bit. Um, and of course, there's different, you know, rules, and you've probably used these, you know, like the, the, the you know, the, the five second rule, you know, I'm oh, going to yeah. do something, tell yourself, I'm just, just have to do it for five seconds, and I can right. stop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or the five minutes, if you're going out the door, just for five minutes, that walk, just have to do mm-hmm. five, and then you can come back right which is much easier to do yeah. when you're depressed because going out for a walk is overwhelming i can't it's so and then your brain is flooded right. with yeah and i got to put on my shoes and,
2: oh, so and much I gotta, effort. Minutes,
1: yeah right. what if i see somebody and oh man i yes. don't know if it's going to be cold and uh, I, I actually my back feels sore and they're flooded right. right with things that are not necessarily real but imagined as overwhelming right. and so what you say okay just deal with that five minutes Go out the door, how far and and negotiate, right? How far is five minutes? Well, it's to the end of the driveway or you know, outside the sidewalk, down and then back. Great. Yeah, great. Can you do that? You think, okay, awesome. And then you, you know, you have to follow up, but it, it really is those small bits right and then of course we know often people are up there they've got their coat on and their boots or they're they're going out that that five minutes oh i might as well just go around the block oh i might as well you know might as well
0: do the whole thing now
1: exactly right so you know we're hoping for that but sometimes it doesn't right but um it's so small amounts. so even with mindfulness coming back to that question is you know are you are you able to focus a bit? So there's those moments, right, where you might even notice where there's opportunities, where you're feeling a little bit more kind of aware or a little bit more able to notice things as yeah. opposed to being stuck in your head because, right, right, really kind of I'm stuck here and, uh, you know, kind of in the days right, like of that so yeah. internal, you know, sort of gaze that mm-hmm. just can't seem to move. Um, if there's moments that you can then move out and even noticing that and moving out for a little bit even if you're feeling pulled back, that's still, I I call that that's a, you know, a mindfulness mental push-up, because Mm -hmm. if you notice coming back, you've done, that's the exercise, that's the insight or self-awareness, and and one time is okay, because you know what, maybe tomorrow it's two times, or maybe towards once again, but you're getting, you you know, you're going to get a little better at it, Um, but mindfulness, mindfulness is good, but again, if it's, if someone's really severely depressed, it's, it's not going to be effective, they they're not going to be able okay. to have that kind of focus at all. Yeah. So mindfulness from a therapist is going to sound you know, right. and like you're in a your oh. bucket. Yeah, 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 exactly. And your head is yeah. just in this space where I don't even know if I should be alive right now because it's so excruciating, right? Yeah. right? So, um, but that's more of the extreme where they've just made it in to, you know, to the office and you're glad, right? Oh
2: yeah.
1: Um, but, but definitely later on, mindfulness can be really effective, um and um but I think before before that or not necessarily but I but often I find that trying to tone down one of the one of the aspects of depression or one of the contributors I call it kind of the the fuel of yeah. of sustaining depression is you know the the kind of the 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 critic the, the inner critic right that mm-hmm. is really always yeah. beating up the self right, right. and so sometimes i you know when, when we're approaching other more healthy techniques i mm-hmm. really like to get that down first because it gets in the way right. because it's like yeah. if it's not then it's you're trying this mindfulness and someone you know tries it and maybe they do a little moment and oh my god that's all you can do just one yeah. you know what was that a second and a half you're so is you know, effing useless and the, you know the internal dialogue yeah. gets pretty harsh right, right? Yeah. um that's and so true. they just it's just another opportunity to beat the hell out of the self, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so you kind of run that risk when you're asking, you know, or um suggesting things for clients when that's really busy, right? Because yeah. it's gonna, you know, it's sort of like waiting to pounce. Mm-hmm. And so what I what I try to do is get them to, you know, start with where they're at in terms of that inner critic, what is it? And I get them to either and and clients are really different so sometimes they like to name it so i really externalizing is really great so that they can separate themselves from that and we really work through why separating is good because we look at where did where did those thoughts come from is that inherent like did they originate in you or was this from experience in your past and again usually can you know investigate that and find oh those were earlier messages somewhere that hey you're loser or your are student that
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah and so then oh okay well let's put it over here right and then if they give it a name it's easier than for them to notice Mm -hmm. right and so they've done two things they've separated from the self which is the really big positive and then now they become more able to observe it as opposed to thinking oh it's just me well no it's an external voice that you've internalized and let's let's kind of separate it a bit over here and let's do a lot let's name it and let's see when it's active And then once we start getting that insight, then we, we do what I call just kind of trying to tone it down. Mm. Right. And again, often we have to negotiate a lot because a lot of people will come in with, you know, I can't even, you know, do my work that I'm supposed to, I'm, you know, so I need to have that because it gets me to do stuff. And again, whenever you investigate that, does it really help? No, No, it makes me just feel worse. Well, okay. Right. Right. But it's, but it's that assumption, right? When I beat myself up, I have to, because if I don't, I won't get stuff done. And, and so we have familiar to
0: so yeah. it becomes mm-hmm. like a habit too
1: so yeah yeah exactly yeah. right um and so you know again it's that habit built on this false assumption which is if i don't criticize myself like hey you know move your ass you're so lazy i won't get it right. done right or you're so useless just do it you know or these kind yeah. of really harsh things and mm-hmm. and again that false assumption is well if i don't do it i'll never get anything done yeah. and then we kind of look at how that plays out does it really and it's like no i just curl up in a in, in a ball or i curl up in like a fetus cuz i'm i'm too beaten down and i can't move right. well okay well then it's probably not helpful right?
2: right
1: yeah um and then really trying to look at what are some benefits of toning it down
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then if a client one of one of my favorite exercises is the mirror exercise
2: mm-hmm. with
1: depressed clients and what it is is kind of you know like look at yourself in the mirror what do you see yeah right so between this session and next i want you to do that and tell me what you see and then they tell you and it's like, okay well how do you feel about that And again you see both right. what they're thinking is horrible and then what yeah. they're feeling is it it makes them feel horrible right yeah. the important thing is then they become aware of that mm-hmm. and so then what we look we look at then is um not doing what and i, and I says don't do what a lot of people say about love yourself because that mm-hmm. just Sounds gross, right? It really does. Someone <laughs> yeah. who's really depressed and used to really hating themselves, like self-loathing,
2: just love yourself,
1: it, yeah, yeah, and and just you know, you have to love yourself. Oh, what the? you know like it's too yeah. foreign. It's right. like you know, what's it like on a chalkboard? You know, like it's just <laughs> yeah. it's so repellent to the experience of a depressed person. Like it's so foreign; it doesn't make any sense. It's right. and it's bullshit, right? It's, are yeah. you kidding? That is impossible. Honestly, and so yeah. what we talk about is steps. So. Self-loathing. What would it be like to turn it down a bit? Instead of "you're an f and loser," sorry, you know, I don't mean to, oh, you know, but some of that internal language, right? That gets pretty right. hard. So you're an f and loser and stuff like. What would it be like to just like, whoa, whoa, okay, maybe take right. out some of that and just say, yeah, okay, you're you're, tone it down to you're a loser. What would that be like? And then, right. you know, and then you work on 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 kind of modulating. Yeah. Right? that self-criticism and when again once they once someone realizes that it's not helpful um, they tend to be more open to that and it's really helping them understand the process mm-hmm. that it, you can do these do this in steps yeah as opposed to because some people really want to try to get rid of it mm. like i just want to stop it when yeah that's not going to work it's sort of like having no. a broken leg and wanting to run and i'll say something like immediately, that immediately. Right? yeah yeah you're going to fall and then you're going to hate yourself. So, so this and is. And then the you're going
0: to have to start again at ground zero. So, yeah. 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 And now, honestly, I like that a lot. I often will tell clients baby steps and then I'll use the metaphor. I like the broken leg part. I use the metaphor of get into the shallow end of the pool first so that you know how to swim in the deep end, because if you just jump right into the deep end, you might be flailing about. So, you yeah. know,
1: yeah. So. Yeah. And I like that too. I like, I like that one. The, cause that's really relatable. Get in the shallow end of the pool.
2: Yeah. It's warm really up, creative, you know? Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So basically starting with psychoeducation, honestly meeting them where they're at, which is very much what we need to do as therapists mm-hmm. because clients are all at different levels. And mm-hmm. then, working with them baby step-wise, maybe getting into some mindfulness later and then just kind of going from there. So
1: and, and going from there. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that, um, I, I will, I will say is that if someone's coming in and they're severely depressed, so, yeah. you know, clinical depression, right? I will, I will, uh, look at the option of medi- are you on medication? Are you uh, considering? And some, some clients, no, I don't want to. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think it's harder for, you know, and I'll tell it's gonna be harder for you to recover because yeah. what you're, you know, it what you're trying to do, it's sort of again like having hypertension right. and you're in second stage hypertension and you're, you know, your your systolic is at 55, what sorry, 155. You're 155 right. over 109. And of course they don't necessarily, you know, what I'm saying is right. you know, first, first stage is you know, it's 130 over 90, but and and second stage, right. so you're your heart is pumping and the pre- like the pressure is really high not healthy right mm-hmm. and so what you're trying to do is well i'm just going to lower my pressure by myself by doing right. you know by exercising well that might help you know but it yeah. probably won't at this stage yeah cuz you know you're 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 not going to feel great you're going to be exhausted and you're probably mm-hmm. you know it's going to be a long yeah it's not yeah. going to be great um and so what I what I often will um, try to frame you know an antidepressant as is a painkiller because I said when you're depressed doesn't it feel like pain like just chronic suffering yeah. and they are like yeah like it's horrible and they and this is a good part where they start listing I mm-hmm. say okay so an antidepressant decreases that internal suffering so it's a painkiller and it's a temporary painkiller and so you yeah, think about like something it. like someone surgery and this is another one like um, you know, someone has a knee surgery and then they need to get, you know, sort of dangle over the bed and then go walking. Well, when they first start, they take painkillers because it's too excruciating to move. Right. Right. And so they start walking until they build up some capacity, some of the, you know, the, the muscles and, um, the card, uh, the, the, um, Anyway, the muscles are really start cartilage or something, yeah. Yeah, right. And so it starts strengthening that that knee joint, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, then you're yeah. able to continue. It still yeah. hurts quite a bit, right. but not as excruciating as post surgery.
2: Right.
1: So they take those painkillers pain for a while until they're they're functioning more effectively. I see that as an option for for mm-hmm. some people, right? Like it's, oh, yeah. it's really much better than not taking the meds early on with with um, right. clinical depression. Yeah. Um, because the the success rate is unfortunately low for right. that because it, again, there's too many obstacles, you know, yeah. too painful. So
0: right, there's like too many things going on. And honestly, I like that. I like to say with clients that when you have really heightened um, anything really like, but specifically with depression, so you're up here level wise and then it brings you down to when you're on medication, like brings you down to a, more functioning levels that you have right. more room or capacity exactly. to add in those like coping skills or anything like that. So.
1: And I love that, you know, like that part, cause I, you know, I try to communicate that as well, what you just said, yeah. more room, more capacity, like the capacity yeah. part, you can actually do more. You can actually think more clearly, mm-hmm. right. And so there's more options going on. It's not just the constant buzz of your suffering. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. I, I really like that part. And, and, um, like I know for myself at you know at my clinic at, at my Winnipeg clinic, um, in terms of you know again some of the things we do try to you know try to communicate that importantly, um, and also you know with that is, is, is pace it like you were saying. You know, mm-hmm. meeting a client where that and everybody's going to have it, you know, kind of be different in terms of how they're experiencing mm-hmm. that depression. Again, because it's it's such a multifaceted illness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, it, it has an, an effect on people differently. And always being open to that, letting, letting you know, kind of clients know it's extremely complicated. Right. And researchers, neuroscientists who study depression are not sure on what exactly is it this cause or is it that or is it this or is it that, right? I all of the above great or you know or is it inflammation or is it you know so there's all these different uh ways that we are affected that cause depression right so it's not a single factor um and it's not something that someone it's not your fault right i think if i could say anything to someone with depression it's not your fault yes it, it has no you know does not indicate who you are
0: right it doesn't define you
1: yeah, it doesn't yeah. define you, and 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 I'm saying that's definitely as someone who who suffered immensely with clinical depression that right. it doesn't, right? And so, yeah. and we can get over it, right? right? And, and and again, that you know, this is again why you know I, I like being on podcasts like this. I, I do mm-hmm. like to talk is because it's that important part is you yeah. can get over it and you can have a life that is meaningful to you and feel good yeah. about yourself, which is pretty yeah. awesome, right? Yeah. So
0: honestly, I agree with that so much just making it relatable making it a conversation all of yeah. that. yeah yeah, yeah and exactly. I know it is about like one right now so I did want to say just again that I really appreciate you hopping on here with me talking to me about all of this like very much. I've learned a lot and I want to incorporate some of the stuff that you've talked oh, about. You. Into my practice. Well, yeah.
1: I, I, I did as well. I, I appreciated yeah, it was definitely Caitlin, the opportunity and, yeah. and really, really nice talking to you too. And, and, you know, part of it is just having the opportunity to share, but again, you know, uh therapist to therapist, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, it's colleagues, so right? yeah. Being able to share somebody's experience. Right. So, so thank you for that as well, yeah, you right. know, and, and yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. We like to geek out about, you know, mental health stuff. <laughs> sure too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: but yeah So uh, we'll definitely have to make plans to do it again or, you know, yeah. maybe talk about something else though. So. Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you know, I'll just throw this out. You know, the, the other area I love talking about is PTSD and of course, no, no surprise that that depression is, is, you know, you know such a component of a lot of what people with ptsd deal with so yeah Yeah. but sort of on the side my kind of my specialization is adults with uh childhood trauma so Mm -hmm. you know yeah. PTSD, trauma issues, depression—you know—all
0: kind of connected, yeah. All kind sure. of
1: interrelated, right? And again, it is—it is a global experience, like it's a holistic experience. And I think something you mentioned earlier, very insightfully, right, is that connection—that anxiety and depression part, oh, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to separate them sometimes, so
0: very fine line, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: And and again, it might not even—even even though we create conceptually that sort of separation. And that fine line, it might not even exist at all, right. you know, so it goes back but yeah. thank you. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Caitlin.